Hey everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. Oh, I'm Andy Wood. I don't know why. I- <laughs> <laughs> Will you go for the sort of one-man show surprise start there? Like, oh! I was just literally surprised that it was my turn to talk, and I was like, oh, there's, why is there silence? Oh yeah, I can say my name. Oh yeah? Oh, I didn't see you there. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most honest double take. It really was. So this is... This is a special, bon- I guess you call bonus episode. I don't know what you class this as, but at a few of our listeners suggested this, and we thought it was a good suggestion. This last weekend was the March for Science in numerous cities across, I, I think just across America, but it might have been across the world. Um, and so... Yeah, no, it was across the world. There were, um, I saw footage of, of marches from London and places, yeah. Okay, great. So we just went down to the Los Angeles one. We took a Zoom recorder Obviously, unlike normal, where we're in a NPR quality broadcast standard recording studio slash Andy's living room <laughs> <laughs> with cheap uh, eBay purchase microphones, but like unlike that, we there there's some background noise. This might not be your favorite episode. You might really like it. What we did was we just tried to pick up a few interviews with various. There were some people who had stalls set up at the start point of the march where they're actually explaining things they did so people from various universities and organizations around los angeles were like hey this is the science we do so we just went up to them and chatted with them for a bit mm-hmm. and then we also grabbed a couple of people dotted around the place including one of our listeners who managed to catch up with us while we were there um also while we're talking about it uh one of our listeners who we tried and failed to meet up with suggested he said uh um he got too much my girlfriend had to leave have a great time with the other listeners probablers what do we call ourselves and i put that on on twitter and a few of you responded but i'm we already settled this years ago did we it's probably scientists is it probably scientists yeah it's like the year two this was decided i think okay because a few other suggestions that have come in now are the uh definitely's or the may hapless i'm not having that sunday assembly wait uh, what may ha- as in may happen i guess may haplers what may happen i don't understand i'm not sure that was from sunday assembly like their twitter account yep they listen to us and tweet at us oh yes the, the sunday assembly the sunday as assembly a, as, an in- as an entity the okay. probationers uh science easters uh and then uh uh mark langdon has suggested mark not happening mark <laughs> No one, none of our listeners, including you, are allowed to be called Mark. And then uh, Jeff, who tweets at Frack You, said, I thought this was already settled. Didn't Matt call us probably scientists on an episode some time ago? Yep. And someone else, Remy, also said that. So yeah, I think probably scientists. I think we're badder with our own canon than our listeners are, which is saying something. That we, and and we also, have a worse memory badder? <laughs> Did I really just say just badder? <laughs> it didn't even register as not being a word. It's been a long... I thought you did that on purpose. Oh, no. Oh, my God. No, my brain's <laughs> fried from festival stuff. I'm just... Good God. I mean, yeah. Um, I have no excuse for that. It didn't, like, it didn't set off any alarms in my head. <laughs> it didn't even just... Badder. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's one of the bigliest... <laughs> Of the words, uh, probably scientists. Is what, probably, scientists I think probably. Is, is a little too much. Uh, cl- it's a little too close to what Marin uh, isn't like. 
what the fucking East is is one of the things he says in the beginning of this. Yeah, show. what what a fucking noughts. Yeah, yeah. I think I think probably scientists. Yeah, unless someone has the world's greatest suggestion. Yeah, we're always open to changing it. We could file with the uh, the board of uh, podcast nicknames. And but yeah, we are very bad at remembering what we've talked about on this show. Yeah, before, really, I mean, including was it what the was time it? that one of us said the same story? Did the same story? It told exactly the same story, almost verbatim, and then one of our listeners cut the two of them together yeah, and, and sent like, them back to us. The cadence was matching. It was uncanny. <laughs> It's yeah. just exactly the same. Um, so I hope you enjoy this. And um, we've got a little extra follow-up from one of the things at the end of this, if you make it through the various interviews, because Christina, one of the scientists that who found us at the march, fought, had a few follow-up bits of information. So we'll have that. But in the meantime, enjoy us down at the march. And uh, yeah, keep an open mind when it comes to the sound quality. You can still hear what's being said, and there's some interesting, uh, you know, Here's the background noises of a market in Marrakesh for like an NPR uh, sound design type thing. All right, enjoy it. Probably science. Hey, Probably Science listeners. We're at Pershing Square at the start of the Science March. There's speakers on the stage. There are a lot of pun-based t-shirts. <laughs> An organization as well. There's something a group of scientists do well. It's organization and turns a phrase that involve chemicals or formulae in some way or another. What's the worst you've seen so far? Oh, I don't know. I haven't been keeping track. They've all been relatively decent. I mean, like, when I say worst, I mean best. Because I, yeah, yeah. I saw one that was... Uh, I wanted to uh, come up with a good slogan, but all the good ones are gone. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there's a few little stands. Again, because it's a science march... There's just demonstrations happening. People can't help themselves. They've set up little science demos. Yeah. Oh, oh, that kind of demonstration. Oh, I didn't oh see. yeah. Okay, yeah, let's check it out. Let's have a little look. So far, I'm seeing a lot of, there is no planet B. There's a lot of those. There's a lot of no, no planet Bs. Which I think might be inaccurate. I don't know. Uh, what's your definition of a planet B? I don't know. <laughs> I also heard one of the speakers who's a politician, say, uh, we're here in the most beautiful place there is, Los Angeles, and then an astrophysicist at the back took issue with that and started naming places in the galaxy that were more beautiful. <laughs> Wait, did he say most beautiful in the galaxy or in the world? I don't, I don't know. I think, he's, I think he said the most beautiful place. Okay. He left it non-space specific. I think anybody speaking today has to be very careful. With very him, accurate. Hey guys, hey, how's it going? Good. What's your name? I'm Max. Max. Max Lloyd. Thanks for talking with us. So you're here with Caltech, the geology department? Yes. All right. And you got some demos going. What have you got going? So we have a seismometer here. We have um, a large cylindrical tube under the table with a magnet on the spring. And it's hooked up to a computer that shows the seismograph. If you jump on the ground, you can create an earthquake and see the seismic signal. Now, isn't that irresponsible, given the damage that earthquakes can do? <laughs> you really have to pay attention to the magnitude. So here we're creating maybe a magnitude 1 earthquake. That's not enough to detect with seismometers uh, further away, and it's certainly not enough to do damage to the buildings that we're standing around. 
um, a magnitude 7 earthquake would be a great concern. Right. That's 10 to the 7 times more, uh, times greater. Than my jump. Yes. Or than Matt's yes. jump. Or, but if you know someone who can jump and cause a magnitude 7 earthquake, let then us know. Yes. Okay. They might also be a god. We don't want them at our <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Thor should not do this experiment. Right, All right, right, a little bit of prejudice, but that's okay. <laughs> so is this an actual piece of equipment you would use? To de- is this just for demonstration purposes? This is, is that just for demonstration purposes. A real seismometer is going to be uh, rather nondescript in probably a public area so that it won't be messed with uh, as it's detecting earthquakes. Makes sense, yeah. makes sense. Right here. Okay. All right. So if we jump on three, two, three. All right. There's your earthquake. Where? Which is to anyone whose house was just destroyed. I'm not sure I see ours. That was us. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Good work. That's a good earthquake. What happened here? I believe those were some very excited kids that came in. A kids group. did a better job than we did. I thought I was jumping pretty well. That's wow, disappointing. Shown up, shown awesome. up by a group of children. What are the other demos you've got going on? Uh, so here is uh, a collection of fresh water, and you can breathe into it, and it'll change the pH. So you can see the effect of adding CO2 to our ocean, uh, the acidity. Yeah. It increases or decreases the acidity? It increases the acidity. Increases. Do you want to do it, Matt? Uh, I'm alright. <laughs> 7.5? Someone's got to do it. I don't want to risk increasing acidity too much. Yeah, that's risky. Uh, what does the Planetary Society do? Um, so we are a nonprofit organization started by Carl Sagan about 36 years ago. Basically, it's to bring the world of space and science down to everyday people, to make everyone feel like they have a in space, right? That they have voice. Uh-huh. So we do that through three ways. We educate, so we um, go into schools, we talk to kids, we bring telescopes for them to look at, we do star parties once a month at the Griffith Observatory. We also advocate, so NASA can't really fight for funding themselves to their government agencies, so we help do it for them. Um, we have someone who works directly with Congress to try and like break down different budget things and get signatures, and we help with that. And the last thing we do is we create. So this is something that we helped build, and it was almost entirely citizen-funded through a Kickstarter campaign. It says light sail. Yes. So the concept is that it doesn't have an engine, so it doesn't require fuel. It uses photons from the sun to propel it forward. Okay. So basically, um, it's about four of these when it expands full. Four of these with the big tent that we carry yes. underneath. Mm-hmm. And so light from the sun is going to hit it, and basically the light is going to push it forward. So it's going to start slow at first, and then it's going to pick up and has the potential to go about three times faster than anything we've sent in the space before. Just because of gradual, constant acceleration? Yes. Um, we had a test one that came, went up about last year, and we have our second one that's supposed to go up later this year via SpaceX's Falcon Heavy rocket. So basically, it's supposed to detach from SpaceX, their rocket, and then it's supposed to kind of orbit in a mid-Earth orbit for a little while, just to kind of see how maneuverable it is, what information we can get from it, and then if that works, we can hopefully start applying that to other spacecraft. So is it sa- is it steered like a sailing ship by angling the sail in different directions? How is it steered? It's steered with electric rods on the side that actually move the, the angle of the sail. Uh-huh. So when we want it to go towards the sun and not lose speed, we angle 
triangle to the sun so that the least amount of photons are actually interacting with the sail. And then once we move past, we put it at 180-degree angle, so it's getting full force. So it is steered almost exactly like a sailing ship, just... It is, except it's using electrical force <coughs> instead of wind. Okay. Cool. And rigging. So where is, where, what's, where is this altar? Where's the one that's already up? The, where it's is that? It's taking that yeah, atmosphere and it burned up. Okay. Oh. Yeah. So this one will be going up later this year, probably in November, December on the Falcon Heavy. Uh -huh. After the test, this will go up on the on the first full one. Okay. And um, it'll go up into a medium Earth orbit. So it'll go into that orbit, it'll extend its orbit out, and then it will start doing ellipses to show exactly how manageable and durable it is. So, yeah, 650 kilometers initially. 650 kilometers, cool. Above the Earth. And keep in mind that the space station is only 250 Okay. To just give you an idea of how far we're So this is more than twice as far out as the space station. Twice, exactly. And we're hoping that we'll be able to reach at our, at our longest elliptical orbit almost to the same place as geostationary orbit for our satellite. Wow. It's really far out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where can our listeners find out more about the Planetary Society and your work? Planetary.org. You can look at it on almost any of our materials at planetary.org. We have a wealth of information on our website. We have the largest image gallery of anything in, of all the space objects that have been taken, whether from Earth or in space. Um, we have videos, we have uh, radio, we have an actual uh, planetary radio uh, podcast that comes out once a week, every week for about an hour each day, that week. Cool. We have, we do classes, we have outreach, um, there's we can contests, there's all sorts of stuff. Beautiful. Thank you so Great. much. We'll Thank you. Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy. Thank you for supporting science. Thank you. Ooh, they got an e-meter. They got an e-meter. I've never touched an e-meter. Do you want to do it? Kind of, yeah. The, uh, this is the Center for Inquiry, the anti-pseudoscience group. Are you guys wrapping right. things up? What is that? Are you guys wrapping no, things no, no, up no. right now? People are going to still be here. Some of us are going to be marching. Yeah, we're going to have people too. here you can talk to. But is this a real Scientology e-meter that you managed to get hold of? Oh, man, that's awesome. It. I can work uh, it for you. So grab the cans. And so what you oh, do these are really hot right now because they need the sun. Also, a lot of people have held them. But if you just hold them... Calmly, and I'll adjust this to the set point. And then the idea is that people would ask you all kinds of questions. And depending upon how you, you'd either rise or fall based upon your answers, and they would note that down. There's kind of little gauges so, here and so stuff. So it works a bit like a light detector is meant to work. It it, is it's it? skin resistance. That's all it is, is skin resistance. So it measures a slight amount of sweat in the skin. Yeah, that's, that's right, exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's all it is. Okay. What's, Not, what's your opinion of Battlefield Earth, Matt? <laughs> right, no there you go. Right. I've yet to see it, although I just spiked. I just oh, spiked. you lied. That's supposed to be it, though. Also, like, I'm holding a very hot piece of metal right, right now, yes. and it's measuring skin resistance it's, it's and sweat, sweat, so this is going right, to be inaccurate. Yeah. That's right. I like it. As if it was accurate before. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You've reduced the accuracy of the Scientology meter. Right. Yeah, I'm going to need to recalibrate it all the time. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, there we go. And they do that. That's what part. Of, and during the test, they would be adjusting these things as part of the show to see that they've. It's really scientific and everything. Right, right. But really, it's just a. And asking you incriminating things that they'll exactly hold against right. you later if you ever try to that's lose right. a That's right. And then they'll right. tell you you've got all these thetans and. Yeah. yeah. You're reading. You have a lot of anxiety, <laughs> and you have sleep deprivation. Get out of my head, you witch! <laughs> <laughs> it's uncanny. I think that you need to take some of my courses. I'm offering. <laughs> 
We just went by the Nerd Night booth, and uh, listeners in LA, I guess if you guys haven't checked that out, you should go. It's a monthly event of learning and drinking. The next one is happening Thursday, May 11th at Busby's East at 5364 Wilshire Boulevard. That's Thursday, May 11th. It starts at 745. We'll try to make it out. This is the Physicians for Social Responsibility? Yeah. So what is it you do? Uh, you have a better school than me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're uh, a nonprofit organization, and we're a membership organization of health professionals and health advocates. We were founded in the 1980s to do anti-nuclear war, anti-nuclear weapons work during the Cold War. Um, and we have since expanded to do a lot of environmental health um, and justice work throughout um, the state and locally in Los Angeles. Um, and we have several issue areas. I can tell you more about them if you'd like. <laughs> you have several what, sorry? We have several issue, like, program areas if you want to hear more. What are they? Yeah. So um, our program areas are air and climate justice, toxics, land use and health, and nuclear threats. Okay. Is, is everyone involved still a physician, or is it, is no, it branched out from not, being not yeah, a lot of them? Yeah, founded by physicians, yeah. which is What's what's your take of the current uh, on the current uh, nuclear climate and uh, <laughs> saber rattling that's been going on? It's not great. I think um, in our organization, I think we talk quite a bit about how um, our older members have a very different understanding and history with the nuclear issue because they were well, you know lived through the Cold War yeah. and, and they were had those duck and cover drills and it was very much a part of their upbringing. And then you know the issue kind of faded from public consciousness because I think people were so shocked by what happened. Um, you know, in, in Japan, that like, you know, people were like, "This is never going to happen again." Yeah. But now, with Trump in power, yeah, um, you know, questioning why we don't use these weapons, and um, with you know the plans that are underway currently to modernize our entire nuclear arsenal um, and our nuclear weapons system, um, it's very concerning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we should be moving towards abolition, and we should be moving towards Should we uh, send our listeners to your website to find out more? Yeah. yeah Where yeah. can they go? You can uh, visit us online at www.psr-la.org. psr-la.org. Thank you so much. Thank you. As soon as I saw the structure, I was like, that must be the structure. The structure. The structure. My my direction worked. My description. So we have our first Probably Science listener who found us thanks to our What Three Words location. We're talking with... Christina. Thank you, Christina. Good to meet you. Nice to meet you. Pleasure. So what is, are you a scientist? Yeah, I'm a neuroscientist at UC Irvine. Awesome. What do you study? What do you specialize in? I study addiction. Wow. Good stuff. Yeah. Any yeah. hot tips? Um, don't do drugs. <laughs> messes up your brain permanently. Oh, whoa. That's a, that seems counter to... A lot to, of them. That seems counter to what a lot of the uh, placards I've, I've seen here today. Well, I study cocaine, which okay. is pretty, pretty intense. What does, so, what, so what actually does cocaine do to the brain? Uh, so it basically, the way to think of drug addiction is like the exact opposite of Alzheimer's in that it makes you like hyper remember. So if, even if you want to forget drug taking experience and like try to just quit, it messes with your learning and motivation so that you physically can't because your brain is too wired to 
remember it and desire it and not want to give it up, even if you like want to consciously. So it alters the circuits in your brain involved in learning and motivation so that you won't give up addiction. And is that semi-permanent or...? Um, it, d- it depends on the person, really. A lot of people who like are successfully recovering addicts put that motivation into other things. So they become hyper-involved in their community. Um, they, they just find other projects that they can focus that motivation on so that they can redirect it. So do we, do we know or have ideas of what the long-term effects of cocaine are on the brain? Like, if it I plays in that same circuitry, does it mess up your ability to learn stuff in the future? Um, I don't study long-term effects. I mostly start, study, like, we inject viruses into animals and then see if we can turn off that motivation circuit and get them to stop drug-seeking. So I don't study, like, long-term effects. You I'm, inject viruses into animals? Yes. How does that, well, how's it's, that related to? So there's uh, there's certain pathways that I'm studying, yeah. and one of them is part of the dopamine signaling pathway. So we take a virus that's specific for dopamine cells in the uh, venal tegmental area, and then it, the virus injects a protein that isn't normally there, and then you inject a chemical into the protein so that the protein changes the circuit and shuts it down. Okay. So the virus has a protein in it, the protein goes into the neuron, and then the neuron changes the circuit. So is the long-term goal from that to transfer that to some kind of addiction treatment in humans? Yes, it is the long-term goal, but it's still a little ways off because there's so many different pathways that like, usually what happens in science is if you hard stop something, there's a collateral pathway somewhere else that tries to make up for that and go around it. So you have to discover all of the pathways first to figure out which ones are the right ones to turn on and off. So uh, is, is alcohol similar in terms of the addiction mechanism neurologically? Um, I, I believe it's similar, but it does act on slightly different things. Like the big thing in alcohol is studying the medial and lateral habenula because they're more involved in adversive stuff. Same with nicotine. But cocaine is a stimulant, so it acts a little bit differently than alcohol, which is a depressant. And same with like opiates and uh, marijuana, and like those are all depressants, so they act in a slightly different mechanism than stimulants like speed. What about addictions to non-chemical things like gambling addictions? Do they... So that also is involved with the medial habenula, but it also involves part of the prefrontal cortex because there's also like different risk factors, like risk, that's more associated with risky behavior. And I haven't studied gambling addiction, but I met a scientist that did, and it's very interesting, like where they take rats and they choose levers, and then one lever gives them one food pellet, and the other lever gives them three food pellets or no food pellets or a shock. So it it judges their risky behavior. That's awesome. That's great. Um, you can't because I'm not allowed to share that information. That is fine. Sorry. But there is a big conference in November and in D.C. called the Society for Neuroscience. And a lot of people, anyone from the public can go. There's big poster presentations that are geared towards sharing science stuff. Awesome. That's in November. The Society for Neuroscience. Yes. Sweet. Oh, that's the web address as well. Yeah. SFN.org. SFN.org. Society for Neuroscience. Cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's nice meeting you. Thanks for meeting up. So we had a, a couple follow-up questions about cocaine. Matt was insistent on asking, so... Uh. <laughs> I was just, just jonesing for some answers. Yeah. <laughs> so we, just, we just found out that... We, well, just the question that was asked was, is there coke in the lab? Which, 
Uh, yes, so we speak with addiction, you do have a certain amount of scheduled drugs in the lab, and you have to apply for the scheduling licenses, and like heroin, uh, LSD, ecstasy, and marijuana are all Schedule ones because they're deemed dangerous and not to have a medical purpose by the federal government and the DEA. And then pretty much everything below that is deemed to have some sort of medical purpose, so including cocaine, which used to be used as an anesthetic in eye surgeries. And uh, I forget what else was Schedule 2, but then there's also like ketamine and different barbiturates that are Schedule 3 because they're used for anesthesia so commonly. But ketamine can also be used as a date rate drug, so you kind of... Oh, that's a date? I didn't know that. It's one of the date rape drugs. There's also... I forget the GHB. Yeah, GHB, and then like, yeah. So there's a few date rape drugs that can be used, but ketamine, when you use it in surgery, doesn't actually like anesthetize you. It makes you forget that you had the surgery. So, so it's always used in combination with something else. I didn't know that. So it doesn't actually stop pain from happening. It just. Well, anesthesia in general doesn't. It, the idea is that it puts you to sleep. And so, like, a lot of times you do anesthesia with an analgesic, which is something that blocks pain. And I think ketamine does block a little bit of pain, but we don't study it. We just use it to, for surgeries. Uh, but the main component of it is, like, that it may, causes memory loss. So even if you did start to wake up during surgery, you wouldn't remember it because of the ketamine. It's an interesting philosophical conundrum, though, because, yeah, like, if someone experiences extreme it. pain and forgets it ten seconds later, is that... Does that pain happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, but then some of the things that are Schedule 1 clearly do have medical uses. They just, the government thinks they don't. Yeah, and so, like, that's why, like, people are upset because recently, I think it was, like, this summer, they had a giant, like, a meeting with the DEA, a bunch of scientists, about rescheduling marijuana so that we could actually do research on it. And uh, deregulating it or rescheduling it wouldn't have done anything to, like, to increase mass consumption, it just would have been to be able to study it because so many states are legalizing it now, which you probably know what it does. Yeah. And um, the DA was like, no thanks, we'll open up a few more licenses, but we're not going to lower it to a Schedule 2, which is still really tightly controlled, yeah. but just not as tightly controlled as a Schedule yeah, 1. Yeah, because Schedule 2 includes cocaine, and presumably you can't just be, like, have it out on the counter. Oh no, it's lunch. like, there's like triple locks, and like everything is logged, and like only specific personnel have access to it after a background check by the government, so it's still like tight, very tightly regulated. Yeah, and, um, and the schedules don't have to do with how uh, how things are enforced. It's not like the no, it's, it's a felony to possess any of them, right? It's just about whether it's easy to get them for medical. For, or what's the re- reason for, for medical or research yeah. purposes? Okay. So there's no downside to just yeah. schedule it. Yeah, and then there's also a school of thought that like LSD and stuff can help people with certain mental disorders also, including addiction, but pretty much no one even tries to get a license for that because it's just way too hard. Yeah. It's a lot easier to justify marijuana in a grant because it's being legalized by state than it is to be able to justify some of the other ones. Yeah, we've had a few stories that have come through, including I think one that's lot ready to go for the next episode about like DMT for addiction like for yeah, yeah. treating addiction and various yeah. other or it might have been ayahuasca but I think that's the same active ingredient yeah it's the same uh, oh uh, it's uh, it starts with an S but it's also thought to help treat depression 
psilocybin. Oh, for mushrooms? Yeah, there was something. I don't remember now because it's not my field. I, I do uh, stimulants. Yeah. Uh, but I have a friend who's a psychiatrist in L.A. at a drug addiction center, and that's some of the things that, like, they've been able, he's been able to read about but not actually give to his patients, so it's very disheartening for him. Yeah. What, what was the drug we were talking about as well that uh, is one that just switches off tiredness? That... Oh, uh, Provigil or Modafinil? I'm not sure. That's not. I don't think it's really. I don't think it's really very abusable. Yeah. Well, we are trying to get Schedule One license so that we can study some of the other ones. But it's like six months to a year after you submit the paperwork, and then like sometimes your application gets lost in the mail, and you have to call them multiple times and make sure they actually received it and stuff like that. Government's fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you again. Yeah. yeah thanks a lot. <laughs> Here we are. It's, it's uh, been. We're back in Pershing Square. We wander back for that. There's a science expo still going on. There's comedy science songs in the background. You can just about hear. Oh yeah. And also the fantastic comic Barbara Gray. Hello. You haven't been on the show yet, have you? I don't think so. This won't suffice for like a complete. Okay. I mean, I know nothing yeah. about There's anything, so I should be It's not the guest's job to know anything. <laughs> we barely know anything, and we have the stories in front of us. You knew enough right. to come down. You made a sign. We didn't make a sign. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's good to. <laughs> yeah. I just came down like. I didn't try to get any friends to come to this one because I was like, fuck it, I don't want to deal with anybody. I'll just yeah. go by myself. You know? And your sign says? My sign says, without science, we wouldn't have the McRib. Truth. Uh-huh. True. No, I'm trying to good. appeal to, like, Trump support. You know what yeah. I mean? I was like, this yeah. is, you know, right. everyone yeah, loves love, a McRib. Well, I mean, everyone loves a McRib. I did have, like, I think an Australian guy. I wasn't sure where he was from, but he came up to me and he was like, what's the McRib? And oh. I was like, I can't explain what it is. <laughs> it's very hard to explain. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the national dish. Yeah, I... It's, uh, it's the shrimp on the Barbie of America. It's exactly. The, oh, that's what I should have said. That's not a very. <laughs> that's thing. not. not that's not right. But... We have actually Australian listeners who are going to hate us for that. Um, so, what did we learn today? What have we learned? Well, we've learned that science marches. Uh, scientists who march put a lot of effort into their signage. Mm-hmm. Yes. There were. There was a lot of creative. Placards. Uh-huh. T-shirts. Yeah, I saw one woman who had a sign that was like this administration is a piece of shit and I can prove it through science and then she had an equation on there and I was like I don't know what that means but that's great um, it was also the walk from Pershing Square to City Hall was very docile the, yeah the quietest march ever <laughs> there's not a lot of songs or chants no. or anything it's a lot of people like you know just doing their own thing yeah, so we bumped into Katie Levine and she was like, yeah, because it's a march of introverts. It's right, all, it's that's true. Introverts. Exactly, yeah. Also, how do you, you know, and, and also, what do we want? Empirically uh, derived information. <laughs> but, and also, it's just a group of people like, well, no, we set out to, we set out to march from Pershing Square to City Hall and we were achieving that aim. So, yeah. <laughs> like, just experiment to success. <laughs> Don't need to bring a whole lot of hoo-ha into it. <laughs> yeah, it's very cover. docile. It's very nice. <laughs> Yeah, it was just Did you, know, you guys see the, Trump, the corner of Trump people, supporters? It was like five people, right? They were there. It was the like 10 or 15. They were there last the time as well. And right. Yeah, they, it's the same people. Generally. I didn't see that. <laughs> oh, man. It's just a kid with a purple face eating, eating yogurt or something. Acai bowl or something? It, yeah. yeah. I don't know what those are. Uh, but yeah, they, they're the little Trump. It's, it's kind of adorable. In Los Angeles, the sort of... Count 
the Trump pro-Trump counter protesters. So I bet they aren't even really Trump supporters. They're just. Oh, uh, I think they are. They're, they're, they're just twenty. I mean, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, but I'm sure they. I'm sure they are. Actually, they probably think like we're not really anti-Trump. It's just exactly. attention getting. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's. Probably but it was annoying because you guys, guys had a megaphone, so I was like, "You're just louder. You're just louder." Yeah. By the way, where do we do we have to fill a W two for George Soros to pay us, or how do we oh, get paid? Oh yeah, I'm not oh, really I sure. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm under the table, so I don't oh, know. Okay, yeah, cool. I thought it was just cash in hand, you know. Okay. Yeah. I just gotta go pick that up before we leave. Yeah. Thank you I again, Mr. Soros. Oh yeah. In this case, I'm getting some free science out of this. <laughs> okay. I was like, what would, a, what would an in-kind donation from George Soros be? I'm not sure what. Uh, <laughs> uh, Barbara, a Lady to Lady podcast. Yeah, that's my podcast. And you're gonna be at Bridgetown. I'm gonna be at Bridgetown. I'm so excited. Okay. Should Randy Posey will also be there? Another Lady to Lady. Oh, wind. wind There'll be no wind at Bridgetown. There'll I'll be no wind. wind. Yeah. Windless. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, go, go science. Listeners, I think we're going to sign up. Yeah, yep. go science. Call it a day. Go science peacefully from one bit of downtown LA <laughs> to another. All right, science march out. So Christina emailed us afterwards and said, uh, Hey, Matt and Andy, it was great meeting you at the march. I wanted to send you some extra information I thought of after we spoke. Feel free to include it. As we discussed, it is very difficult to obtain a, uh, a schedule, uh, it'll be scheduled because this is American, yep. one license to study marijuana and THC. So to study the potential effect of THC, uh, many scientists instead use a s- synthetic chemical called Win55, 212-2. THC and Win55 both bind to the same cannabinoid, cannabinoid receptor, CB1, in the central nervous system. This allows neuroscientists to do some of the same experiments with Win55 without having a Schedule 1 license. However, THC is only a partial antagonist. Agonist. Agonist. Wow. I'm An agonist is a chemical that binds to a receptor and activates the receptor to produce a biological response. So it's, it's, it's better than the Win55. It is. Yeah. And Win55 is a full agonist and has a much higher binding affinity to the same receptor, CB1. Additionally... Marijuana is composed of other chemicals besides THC, which is why uh, having access to the actual drug is still very important and why many scientists would like it to be rescheduled. The effects of THC and marijuana are going to be different from WIN55, but WIN55 is an accepted chemical used for providing preliminary data in cannabinoid studies and observing the mechanisms and downstream effects of CB1 receptor activation. And then she says something. She says very nice things about us and putting on the podcast and bringing science communication to people. Which again, I'm always marginally uneasy when you, when a real scientist goes like, "You're really bringing science to," but I appreciate that, and I I think we do get some stuff right, and at least hopefully pique some people's interests in science and help them find more accurate information that we're not necessarily providing. So thank you. Um, Andy, I, I had a follow-up question. Andy I don't had know if we follow-up. have to read this whole thing. I think lot, okay. we might as well. Sure, yeah. I think this is towards the end. So Andy's follow-up question was, does Win55 make you super high then? It sounds like if it's a full agonist with a higher binding affinity to the same receptor than THC, which is a partial agonist, that would imply it's a super high thing, right? I think so. Maybe. So this was her response. She said, uh, after discussing with a coworker, the answer to does Win55 make you super high is complicated. The CB1 receptor is a receptor that recycles. So once its agonist binds to it, the receptor is internalized into the cell. So binding with a higher affinity doesn't necessarily equate with to, to better for all receptors, but especially this one. 
Some receptors have an inverted U-shaped dose effect curve. Uh, at very high and very low affinity, there is no or lower effect, usually because of various biochemical mechanisms. But in the middle, uh, affinity is where a drug can be most potent on a receptor. And as we talked about at the march, sometimes when something is turned on or turned off, other pathways will compensate to dampen or amplify a similar signal. So her coworker introduced her to a website called Arrowid, that's E-R-O-W-I-D dot org, which logs responses to chemicals. And from that website, it stated that Win55 has the same effect as THC, but needs a four to 20 times higher dose and has a shorter duration, around 30 minutes than THC, which is up to several hours. Don't I know it? Uh, this is probably due to the recycling nature of the receptor. The lower binding affinity probably allows for THC to bind multiple times on the same receptor before the cell takes it in, whereas Win55 can only probably bind once. However, neither of us uh, are pharmacologists, so we're only hypothesizing based on our knowledge, their knowledge. Um, Win55 is very expensive, several hundred dollars for only 10 milligrams, so uh, they wouldn't recommend it as a THC alternative. Finally, marijuana has many other active components besides THC that are still being discovered. Um, other co- components of marijuana probably contribute to getting high and enhanced THC. Such as a cannab- cannabidal or cannabidal? Cannabidiol. I don't yeah. know how you pronounce that, but... Yeah, because I've, I've wondered about that. In general, stoners and people who really... Or people, weed connoisseurs, because now in California, it, in its relatively legal state, that is a big thing. Yeah. Talk about the difference between the different strains of weed... Uh, like whether it's a sativa or indica, or like indica, the CBD versus THC thing, which I yeah, I guess I yeah. Know. But I was wondering what the difference is because some of the go you know, like yeah, some I've, types are more of a head high, some are more of a body high, some sort of make you stoned, or some just have more pain relief. And if it's just the THC, that can't be the case because it's not yeah. like no matter how much people claim different types of alcohol have like whiskey makes you angry, and like it's still just ethanol, right? But that's the one that I do wonder about because. It, maybe I'm just, it's a select, maybe a, I don't know if it's a selection bias, but you know, if you've had nights where like, okay, that had to be a different kind of drunk. And then you wondered like, can sugars affect the way your body takes up alcohol or something, you know, like I, maybe that could be. And also like the bubbles and whether it's like diluted in a bit in a yeah. lot of liquid, like beer or whether it's more concentrated, like whiskey. I bet we have a listener who could answer that one once and for all is all the hypothesizing about different kinds of alcohol drunkenness, complete bullshit or not. Um, but no, I bought some, THC heavy and um, CBD heavy stuff just because I was curious because I'd heard about CBD when I was up in Portland and um, I I smoked some of the CBD and didn't really feel that much then I had a I had back pain I had like a nerve thing a month or two ago and I made the mistake of posting on Facebook asking for advice and of course you get every possible thing including lots of uh, pseudoscience pain relief things um, and someone was like man smoke weed and I, I tried one of the nights smoking just regular um, you know, more THC heavy pot and it did not, I mean, I got high, but it did not help the pain. And then the next night I tried the CBD, it didn't get me high and it did help the pain. So interesting. Yeah. Did a yeah. little, uh, control experiment there. But yeah, thank you so much for that extra information. That was great. She, yeah. Thanks, Christina. Did I call her Christine by accident earlier on in the episode? I don't know. I don't think so. Either way. Thank you, Christina. Yes. Really appreciate it. It was very cool meeting you at the march as well. Thank you for all the information. It was very cool seeing all the people there. Yeah. We'll be back next week with a normal episode. And then a week, 
May May 7th will be at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. Go to bridgetowncomedy.com for info. I believe the show is 3 p.m. at the Boston Nova Ballroom. But That's the check. Sunday afternoon. Sunday yes, at Bridgetown. Sunday, May 7th up in Portland. And I know at least one listener said he got a whole uh, weekend past the festival because of the podcast. So I'm glad. Uh, and if you guys are on the fence about it, you live in Portland, come out for the whole weekend. It really is super fun. You'll have a bunch of new favorite comedians after those yeah, four days. Yeah, it's great. It's like, it's, it is, I know... Yeah, you know, Andy's biased because this is festival. I'm biased because I'm pretty <laughs> like very much friend of the festival. But it is a super fun festival. Here's the deal: a lot of comedy festivals in North America, particularly, are sort of trade fairs mm-hmm. for the industry. And it doesn't mean that the shows aren't fun. It doesn't mean that the comics out there are, aren't having fun. But it like Montreal is great. There's amazing, um, there's amazing comedians go there and great shows. But. Um, it is also like a showcase thing that, uh, right. that all the agents and all the producers are there and it's very much showcasing to them. At Bridgetown, there are industry people, but they tend to keep a very low profile and it's really all about the show and all about the fun and it's yeah. about comedians enjoying themselves. And when comedians are enjoying themselves, they're funnier. Yeah, that's, like, that's when, the thing. It's like, when it's everyone's relaxed and having a laugh, you get really cool, fun, loose shows where people are doing things they wouldn't normally do, saying things they might not normally say and... And also, everyone's just hanging out and interacting, and it's just, it's very friendly. So, if you live anywhere yeah. near Portland, go down to the Bridgetown Festival. I think you can you get tickets to individual shows as well. You can get tickets to the two shows at Revolution Hall, which are Friday's show with Lance Bangs, Saturday's Mystery Science Theater show, and you can buy a ticket to the Goddamn Comedy Jam at Crystal Ballroom on the 4th. Apart from that, you can always pay admission at the door at a single show, or you can just buy the full weekend pass, and then that wristband just gets you into everything. And uh, I'm going to leak this. Um, this little thing that isn't public knowledge yet, but you guys can find out because you're the best as listeners, uh, that Pat Oswald is going to be sticking around for an extra day after his Tuesday night show. And he's going to be doing a show called reunited on, um, Thursday, the fourth at Boston Nova ballroom. So hot insider tip. Don't tell anybody except for the many people who hear this, but, uh, yeah, hope to see you guys there and, um, yeah, tweet at us if you're around and we'll, we'll meet up and, uh, share a beer. Uh, and uh, thank you very much. Back with a normal episode. With well, I might as well tell you, next episode is going to be British comedy star Russell Howard. Yep. So uh, we've got a few good ones coming up. We've got the Russell episode. We've got the Bridgetown live episode. And then we have our episode with our super secret scientist super guest. Super secret guy that rhymes with steel. Bibas Nyson. Yeah, that's the one. Yep coming up soon so uh yeah thanks again for listening and we'll uh, see you next week a few of you have sending oh. guesses as well by the way but no one's got it yet <laughs> no one's, no one's got it keep those guesses close. coming yeah. keep those guesses yeah. coming <laughs> see you next week bye bye